Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features five episodes of Magic Island. Each episode is about 12 minutes long, so the whole thing's about an hour. The episodes are serialized, so it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. The story's about a wealthy woman's search for her long-lost daughter who went missing in a shipwreck. This episode's with discovering the Magic Island where she hopes her young daughter has survived. It is growing dark. The magnificent yacht of Mrs. Patricia Gregory rides at anchor just off a mysterious bank of fog in the South Seas. On board the yacht, Mrs. Gregory, her business manager Tex Bradford, and their young companion Jerry Hall are eagerly trying an experiment. Bradford has just set up a unique piece of mechanism through which he can see over the horizon or over a building and down into the street on the other side of it. Now the machine is focused on the strange fog bank, and behind this bank lies what? Will this prove to be the magic island? What do you see, Tex? Hold on, son. Don't get excited now. I think we've got something here. Oh, please, Tex. May I look? Well, of course, Pat. Go to it. You'll be next, Jerry. I'm almost afraid to look. Fourteen years is a long time to look for something. We're almost afraid to find it then. Go on, Mrs. Gregory. You'll never get Captain Bradford to tell us what he saw through that thing. Take a look for yourself. Gee whiz, if Joan is there, after you hunting for her for 14 years, you ought to be the first one to see her. You're a gallant lad, Jerry. Oh, Tex, what did you see? Nothing doing, Pat. Here, you look. I just got the range for you. But hurry now, it's nearly dark. All right. Do I put my eye here? That's it. Steady does it, Pat. I'll work that sextant just a hair's breadth if you want to. Right. Do you see anything, Mrs. Gregory? Hush, kid. Okay, I'm sorry. I... I think I see a group of people. They aren't very clear yet. No, that's better. The whole island shines as if as if it were polished stone or or some kind of metal. Now, now I see the group more clearly. Yeah? What else? Jerry. Yeah, I know, but... Oh, Tex. Jerry, I... <gasps> She's fainted, kid. Run and get a glass of water out of my cabin. Hurry. Yes, sir. Pat. Pat, you're all right, Pat. Just take it easy for a minute. Jerry's getting you a glass of water. Pat. There. Uh, that's better, Pat. Where's that water, Jerry? I'm coming. Oh, what? Tex. I... Oh, Tex, I saw... I saw... Is she all right now? Is she all right? She'll be all right in a jiffy. Hand me that glass of water. Here. Where's the water? Huh? Where's the water? Oh, golly. I drank it myself. I'll get some more. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't need that water. I'm... I'm all right. Silly of me to do that, wasn't it? Nothing you could ever do would be silly to me, Pat, but just what got you so quick? You saw something? Tex, I saw that group of people. They're real, and they're on an island, all right, and... Oh, it's almost too much to believe, but I I thought I saw a young girl with them. I thought I saw the same. And for your sake, I hope we're both right. Here's the glass with the water in it. Thanks, Jerry. Now I feel better. That's the first time I ever felt like fainting. Yeah, me too. I mean, I would have fainted if I hadn't used the first glass of water on myself. I could tell what you saw from the way you acted. May I look now? Help yourself, son. Boy, what a thrill this is. Now, let's see. Oh, looks kind of cloudy at first. There. There now, I can see better. This focus is easy enough. I got it. Gee. Gee, there's people there. People on the island right inside the fog. Whole bunches of them. But but they're all men. They're... No, they ain't. Hey, hey, there's a girl with them. A girl, Mrs. Gregory. Yes, Jerry, I saw that too, but don't hope too much. Hope? Nothing. That's your little girl. I know it is. That's Joan. She looks just like you do. Now, Jerry, I made that machine, and I happen to know you can't distinguish features at that distance. I don't care about her features. I'm talking about what she looks like. You better let me take another look, Jerry. Getting dark. You pitch black in 15 minutes. We won't get any twilight. Better learn what I can about our situation before we hold up for the night. All right now, Pat? Quite all right. I'll steady you up, Mrs. Gregory. You just hang on to my hand. I'm not nervous anymore. Thank you, Jerry. What do you see, Captain? There's a group of people on the island, all right, and... Now, there's a funny one. They they seem to be pointing something at us. Bet they're going to shoot. Let's duck. No. No, it looks more like a telescope. It is something like that, and they know how to look through that fog. 
I see us all right. Some of them are waving their arms and pointing at us. Well, we sure couldn't see anything through the fog. Good thing you had this machine for reflecting your rays against the air over the island and looking down on it. Hmm. From the way they're acting, it's it's obvious they see us and see us plainly. Is there any danger, Tex? I think not. At least not so long as we just ride at anchor. Here, say, say something's happening. What are they doing now? They are not doing anything. At least not anything I can see, but the fog is. I've got it. They figured out that I'm watching them by means of rays refracted over the top of that fog. So they're closing it over the top. Closing what over? The island. All of it. You were right, Jerry. That fog is artificially made and perfectly controlled. Now they're covering up overhead with it. I can hardly see. I... Eh, that's all for now. They put a perfect roof of fog over that whole island. And it didn't take them more than 30 seconds to do it. Then they did know we were watching them. Sure enough. What do you think we ought to do now, Tex? Nothing. Just nothing. It's nearly dark. There's no reason to fear anything, and they can't watch us any longer. I'm getting a little chilly. Probably just nerves. It's anything but cold this evening. Well, we'll go in the radio room and sit down and talk this thing over quietly. Oh, you're doing splendidly, Pat. I know what a strain you must be under. Hmm. This would be a strain for anybody. I'll go ahead and open the door. I'll leave this stratoscope right here for the time. You take that easy chair, Pat. Right. Jerry, warm up the radio. Oh, boy. Do I get to use it? Go ahead, son. Let me know when it's warm and I'll give you the message. Now, Tex, tell me honestly. Do you think there's a chance that my little girl is on that island? After what we've seen in the last six hours, there's a chance for anything. I've never had any hope that you would find little Joan. Everyone agreed that she must have drowned in that shipwreck. And 14 years is a long time without news of her. But now, Tex... Now, don't you see that there's some reason that may make those 14 years of silence possible? That island is weird. It, it's mysterious. It's almost what the old sailor said it was, a magic island. Agreed. And for the first time, I'm willing to admit there is a chance, a mighty good chance that the little girl on the island could be June. How can we find out and how soon? We'll have to take our time. For one thing, we don't know what that island represents. Nothing in the ordinary or usual run of islands, that's sure. With all their fog machines or whatever they use to hide the island with, and their magnetized circle to keep boats off, it might mean a lot of things. And they're most likely all bad. I've got the set ready, Captain. What's the call? Call Johnson at J-12C, as you did before. Sign your name in the yacht call, J-24Y. Okay. J-12C, J-12C, Jerry Hall on J-24Y to J-12C. Hello, j 12 Hello, J-12. Now, hold it, Jerry. He's got an automatic recording pickup there. And even if he's out of the room, he'll get a sustained curve on his frequency disturbance graph when he checks it. You're the most mysterious folks I ever saw. You've got yachts as big as battleships, private radio stations on wavelengths nobody ever heard of, and call letters like a kid's club. What's it all about? You promised not to ask that again till we were ready to tell you, Jerry. I'm sorry. But you'll be sorry if I die of curiosity. Nobody ever died of it yet. Well, I don't feel any too good. Hello, J-24Y. Hello, J-12C, Johnson. Go ahead, J-24. There he is. What'll I tell him? Give him our position. Make the story about the island brief. Ask him stand by. If we do not report all clear by tomorrow noon, he is to ask D.C. to rush full protection. Story is for publication. He can use own judgment. Shoot it, kid. Right. Hello, J-12C. Jerry Hall for Captain Bradford on J-24Y. Are you ready? Go ahead, Hall. Go ahead. Located island, surrounded by fog camouflage, standing by for daylight to try landing, boat held off this evening by magnetic ring in ocean, probably 100 yards offshore. Our position is latitude 29. What's the matter, Skipper? Danger. What What kind kind of danger? Drifting. Drifting? Well, what's the matter with your anchors? Dragging. Dragging the anchors? I don't hear any wind. What's going on? Hurry. Do I keep sending? Stay right in there, son, no matter what happens. Stay with that radio and report and pull to J-12. Come on, Pat, we'll look around. Uh, Are you still there, J-12C? Hello, J-12. What happened? I can hear you very faintly, J-24. Go ahead, all. The boat is drifting. Captain Bradford and Mrs. Gregory have gone on deck with the skipper. No wind. Calm sea, anchored in three fathoms, but drifting, dragging the anchors, no reason for it.
Stand by for emergency flash. Got that? Hey, the lights are going out. Something's wrong. Your signal is fading, J-24. Standing by for emergency call. Are you getting me, J-24? Aloha. J-12C to J-24. Why? Can you? Oh, the set's gone dead. And the lights are all off. The same thing that happened before. I'd better get up on deck. Oh! Golly, whiskers. That chair hurt my shins. Where's the handle on this door? Ah, there it is. Oh, boy. Hey, Tex, where are you? Come up forward, Jerry. Where are you? I can't see a thing. Right here, you nearly bumped into us. You just quit on you, didn't you? Yeah. Same thing we had today? The skipper's working with the crew to get out a spare anchor over the stern, but we're already dragging two of them. If it wasn't so dark, we might see what's happening. All we can see is a funny gray color, and you can't see much of that. Tex, Jerry, I think I can smell something unusual. Huh? You're right. I smell a gas or a chemical of some kind. I know why the sky's all gray, and I know what the smell is, too. The fog. Is that it? That's it. And we're drifting into that island. We're going through the fog, Tex. I know it. Look there. Get ahead. See that faint glow? It's a little lighter up there. And the fog isn't quite so thick. That fog is some kind of gas, by the smell. Doesn't seem to affect us any, though. We're drifting faster, aren't we? That glow of light is rapidly getting nearer. I hope we don't smash into something before we get on the beach, or grab a pier, or, or a dock of some kind. Why should we drift to the island? We tried for two hours to get through this fog with full speed ahead, and we couldn't move. Now we're drifting through it. You don't drift and drag two anchors in three fathoms of still water with no wind and no tide. We're not drifting? I'll say we're not drifting. That magnetism is working again, only stronger this time. We're being pulled. This boat is being dragged to that island. In the dark, mysterious South Pacific Ocean, a magnificent yacht is carrying its passengers and crew on a strange cruise. Jerry Hall has joined Mrs. Gregory and Captain Bradford on the Gregory yacht to aid in the search for Mrs. Gregory's little girl. Lost at sea when a baby, the girl has been reported living on a mysterious island. The yacht was anchored off a bank of what appeared to be fog, but was not natural fog. With the aid of apparatus designed by Captain Bradford, Jerry and his friends have looked over the fog and down onto the island. It is now after dark. The yacht is being drawn through the weird ring of fog, drawn without a sound toward the magic island. But, but Jerry, how could we be pulled to the island by the same magnetic force that was pushing it away from it an hour ago? Well, you see, Mrs. Gregory, magnetism works both ways. Maybe I can't explain it right, but anyhow, a magnet can either be fixed to attract or repel. Is that what I'm trying to say, Captain Bradford? Well, at least you're heading in the right direction, Jerry. It's a poor electrical engineer that can't do tricks with an electromagnet and plenty of power. Electrical engineer? I thought we'd find a tribe of savages on this island if we found anything. Yeah, that's what I figured, too. That old sailor, you know, who lived on this island or visited or, or something and then got away, he reported that he'd seen a little white girl living here with a strange race of savage people. Well, I'm not so sure of that, son. Remember, we got the story over our shortwave in Los Angeles. At the same time, you got it over yours. And if I remember rightly, the report said a strange race of people, not a savage race. Tex is right, Jerry. It did say a strange race. Of course, we naturally thought of savages as the only sort of people who might be living unknown to the rest of the world. Well, we know now that the people who made all these scientific things we're running into are not savages. It looks to me like they know a whole lot of things we don't. No doubt about it. And while we just stand and talk on this deck, a heavy yacht with 800 horsepower motors is drifting helplessly into something we know nothing about. Well, let's quit talking and, and do something. We're drifting into that island pretty fast now. We're inside the fog ring now. Oh, if only it wasn't dark. Suppose... We'll leave the island pretty soon. But well, we're going slow. I guess it won't hurt the boat. There's, there's not a sound from anything. Can't even hear a ripple of water. This water is oiled or, or treated with something to hold it still on the surface. I can see a little light ahead. There's a yellow glow all over in front of us. Nothing we can see distinctly, though. We're slowing up. 
The boat is barely moving. Look, Tex. Can you see an outline there? Where? No. Where, Mr. Gregory? Gregory? Just off the port beam, Jerry. No. I don't see anything. I do now. You're right, Pat. Look over here, kid. There's an arm jutting out right alongside the rail. Golly, of whiskers. It looks like a dock. We're drifting right up to it. Not drifting. Don't forget, son. We're being pulled. That, that light ahead is getting more distinct. I can make out the shoreline now. Funny shoreline. It looks so straight and smooth. See? See, it's shining in that yellow glow. Hold it. Quiet, both of you. Not a sound. We're rubbing against a dock, or a pier, or a landing of some kind. I thought so. And the boat has nearly stopped. It has stopped. We're not making any headway. But the stern is swinging in near that landing. Gee, the boat acts as if, as if it had a shoreline, and we're being snubbed in. We are being snubbed in, and without a line. This yacht is being warped against that dock by the same force that pulled us through the fog bank and into this shelter. But why don't we see somebody or something? Or hear something. Gosh, any kind of a noise would sound good right now. Hey, we stop. We're hard against the thing on the port beam. Yes, we're here. And I'm afraid, Jerry, my boy, that we're actually on your magic island. Whether we want to be or not. Want to be? Why, Tex, we've come thousands of miles to find this place. And my little girl. Do you think we'll really find Joan here, Captain? Like the old sailor said? We're liable to find most anything here. Then let's start looking for it. You better go into your cabin, Pat, and stay there while Jerry and I have the first look around. I should say not. Wherever you two go, I'm going. Where are we going, Tex? We're going to step out on that dock, or ramp, or whatever it is, and see what happens. Oh, boy. Let's go. Steady, son. You go back and tell the skipper to stand by. Tell him he can quit worrying about his anchors. We're fastened to this island until someone else wants us to go. Yes, sir. And Jerry, tell the skipper to look sharp and give us a signal if anybody boards him. I'll be right back, sir. Oh, Tex, what do you think we'll find here? What's going to happen? What manner of people live here? Hold on now, Pat. You know as much about all that as I do. We'll just have to ease ashore and keep snooping around until we find something. Or something finds us. You better stay aboard, Pat. I'm not afraid. That is, of course I'm afraid. Horribly afraid. But you're all here because of me. It's my little girl we're looking for. And I'll go wherever you go. All right. You're the boss of this expedition. Everything's shipshape aboard. I gave your orders to the skipper, Tex. Any comments from him? Well, he, he looked plenty worried. And he didn't even say as much as he usually does. That would be only one word at a time. This time he just nodded his head. All right. Now, here's our situation as I see it. There's no use making any plans as to what we intend to do. Because we haven't the faintest idea what conditions we'll find when we get ashore. Now, we'll just step over on that landing there, keep close together, and walk toward that yellow glow of light. Whatever you say, Tex. Aye, aye, sir. All right, now. Over the side. I'll go first. All right, Jerry, come over. Now, Pat, give me your hand. Now, all stand still for a second. Try to get your eyes accustomed to the yellow light. What there is of it. I can't see any better now than I could when we first saw that yellow light. Neither can I. And yet, I can. There's, there's something weird about that light. I have an idea there'll be something weird about everything we see for some time to come. Now, Jerry, you walk on my right here. Pat, you on my left. Both of you stay close enough that we can rub elbows as we walk. And stay close. Now, let's start slowly... And carefully toward that yellow glow. Neither of you speak until I tell you to. Ready? I am. Yes, Tex. Not a sound. Here we go. And walk quietly. Stop. What is it? Did you see something? No, and I... I didn't hear anything. That's what's wrong. Well, what did you expect to hear? Our footsteps. I felt this landing with my hands when we came off the yacht. And if I ever felt any before, it's made of concrete. But here are three of us, walking at a fair pace. I have on heavy boots with leather heels, and yet we didn't make a sound. Oh, 
right. Well, wait till I feel this stuff with my hands. You're right, Tex. That's concrete, all right. But when I felt it, I slapped it good and hard. It made almost no sound. Gee. Gee, do you think... I think we've stumbled onto the greatest scientific miracle of our time. And there's no use in our trying to walk quietly or make any secret of our movements. You mean we're being watched now? In the dark? No, no. The captain means we're being watched by somebody who can see through this yellow haze. Just as easy as we could see in broad daylight. No doubt about that, son. This island, uh, if it is an island, is years ahead of anything we have ever known. And it has people on it that know things we never dreamed of. Could this all be artificial? The, the island, the, the fog, this light? Yes, it could be. And it is. For the simple reason that it couldn't possibly be natural. Golly, Whiskers. Well, what can we do? We can only do one thing, Jerry. Keep walking toward the center of that yellow light. Come on, men. I'm nervous and anxious to get it over with. I can even see as well as I could. Say, wait a minute. That's funny. What's up, Jerry? That yellow light. Look, behind us. What? What? Why, the light has moved. The center of it is behind us now. Yes, and if you look to the right or left, you'll see the center of it there, too. But the center of it couldn't be all around us. It has no center. That yellow glow is perfectly diffused all over this area. Then maybe we're not walking toward the light at all. We're just walking through it. What what if we walk off the edge of something here? Uh, Here, you get in the middle, Pat. No, no, I'll stay in the middle. You two are much lighter than I am. And if one of you slips off of something, the other two of us can pull you back onto this stuff we're walking on. Wouldn't you think we'd hear something soon? Yes, or see somebody. This has got me breaking out with ice water freckles. Me would better stop and, and think it over again. Getting scared, Jerry? You you bet I'm scared. So am I, Jerry, but we may as well go on until... Oh. What is it? But which one of you gave me these? Huh? Gave you what? I gave you nothing. What are you... Huh? Well, well why hand them to me? What? What are you two talking about? That just handed them to me. I did not. I still have the ones you gave me. Hey. Hey, now I've got them. Where did they come from? Pat, Jerry, steady now, both of you. Just answer my questions one at a time. Okay. Yes, Tex? Jerry, have you got a pair of glasses in your hands? Yeah, sure. Mrs. Gregory just handed them to me. Jerry, you handed them to me. Quiet. One at a time, I said. Have you also got a pair of glasses in your hands now, Pat? Yes, I, I have... But I... Yes, and I have got a pair. But but where does... Tex, what is this? Quiet, I said. We mean our lives. Quiet while I talk. Someone or something. Something we couldn't hear, see, or feel has just handed each of us a pair of glasses. There must be a reason for that. Well, I don't want to find out what it is. Oh, Tex, what have we gotten into? You know about as much about it as I do. There's only one thing to do. Each keep your grip on the other one's arm. And put your glasses on with one hand. But what do you suppose the glasses are for? What any glasses are for, to see through. But it's nearly dark, worse than dark. What good will glasses do? Someone handed us those glasses. Someone who made no sound. And they weren't fumbling around in the dark because they didn't touch us at all. Therefore, whoever it was must have been able to see. And see perfectly. I think the time has come when we'll be allowed to see our surroundings. I'm putting mine on. Me too. But I'm, I'm shaking so I can't find my face. Oh, there now. Yeah, just stand still and... Well, it's getting lighter. No, it isn't. It's the glasses. I'm beginning to see. Take it as calm as you can. No matter what you see, it won't help any to crack up about it. Tex, look. Right, right beside me. They're almost on top of us. Look, there. Over there. Oh. It's a long way from the coast of California to the South Seas. But many ocean liners travel that route with no more excitement than a trolley car ride. And almost directly in the path of these steamers lies a strange hidden island, the magic island of the South Seas. The Gregory yacht has sailed to this island in search of Mrs. Gregory's long-lost little daughter. Now the yacht is held fast to the island by a powerful magnetic force. Jerry, Captain Bradford, and Mrs. Gregory leave the yacht They stumble blindly through the weird yellow half-light that covers everything. Suddenly, 
some unseen person or phantom thing thrusts a pair of glasses into the hands of each. Oh, Tex, Jerry, look. They're all around us. And we haven't heard the slightest sound. I felt better when I couldn't see them. Speak to them, Tex. Say something to them. They aren't making any move to harm us. I'll go near them. You and Jerry sing. Well, I can't move. I'm scared, too. But I can move anyway. I'll show you and... Gee, I can't even move my arms. It's almost as if we were rooted to this spot. Gosh, why don't they move or say something? Speak to them, Tex. Get them to move. This will drive us mad. Steady, Patricia. These men are not savages. They're strangely dressed, but they, they look civilized and intelligent. But why can't we move? I know why, but I don't know how it's being done. I have a gun in my pocket. I can feel it being drawn downward. Sure, that's it. Magnetism again. That's why my flashlight feels like it weighs a ton in my pocket. Oh, my head. Something's pulling at my hair. Oh, of course, the metal hairpin. What's holding our hands and feet so still? I think we'll find out a lot in a minute. One of those men are coming towards us now. Yeah. His legs are moving all right. He's walking pretty fast. Say, why doesn't he get any closer to us? Oh, the shallow light is deceptive. Probably an illusion deliberately created to throw our sense of perspective out of balance. I'll bet they don't speak English. Let me do the talking if we get a chance to do anything. Hello there. How do you do? I guess I don't speak anything. We'll soon find out. Well, if I could move my arms, I could shake hands with this gentleman. I think that will not be necessary. In fact, it would not be advisable. Golly, Whiskers, he can talk. It's a relief to hear English spoken in this strange place. This strange place? Uh, Madame is mistaken. This is a perfectly natural place. You three are the strange elements here. Well, I guess you're right at that. We seem to have intruded upon something that's a little bit beyond our depth. What's it all about, Professor? Oh, do not apply to me the title you confer upon your petty educators in what you so grandly choose to call your world. World, indeed. Why, you poor innocents cannot even dream of the world as it is given to us to know it. Now, I will introduce myself. I am called G-47. G which? No. G-47. Is this real, Tex? It is, but no one back home will believe us. May, may I ask a question of you, G-47? At least, Madame Gregory, you... He knows me. Silence, Madame, or I shall think you as rude as your strange companions. I'm sorry, but I was so surprised that you should know me. I think we're going to be more surprised if we can find something this guy don't know. You are a very observant person. For one so young... Well, before we go on with this, this display of our ignorance and your confounded superiority, you might at least call off your magnetic force. It would be more comfortable if we could walk around a little. I am disappointed in you, Captain Bradford. Oh, you win, G-47. Suppose we could have moved long ago if we had sense enough to try it. You were released the moment I spoke to you. Now, if you are through gaping and wondering... I will be glad to answer Madame Gregory's question. The object of your search is here. Then the old sailor's story was true. There is a little white girl living here. Gee, and can we see her right away? Yes, let's get it over with, or do we just stand here all night? Your rudeness will be overlooked this time, Captain Bradford. You will follow me. Come. Well... I guess nobody who saw this would ever make fun of my magic island again. You will see no magic here. This is a land of fact. Cold, hard, scientific fact. What you say is obviously true, but we've been accustomed to getting our facts in a little less spectacular manner. Everything here is real enough, but it's all so strange to us. Notice how all these other men merely stand aside and let us pass. They don't look curious, happy, angry. They they just don't look anything. Huh. Guess they don't think we rate getting excited about it. On the contrary, you are rather interesting subjects. It will be a pleasure to study you at greater length <laughs> when time permits. 
Well, it isn't the most comfortable feeling in the world to be spoken of as a subject for study, as, as if we were bugs on a microscopic slide. But remember, Pat, as long as we're being studied, we'll be alive, and while... And while you're alive, there is always the possibility of your escape, eh? That can wait. Please, G-47, may we see the little girl? We are nearly to the ladies' quarters now. I imagine the ladies of your colony are kept rather well protected in the event your island might be surprised and perhaps captured, eh, G-47? Do not be unnecessarily stupid. We fear nothing. I've got an idea he means that. May we inquire where the ladies of your, your colony may be found? I see none of them. This is the 602nd period, when the ladies are engaged in caring for their living quarters, making their dresses for tomorrow. You mean 600 seconds as we figure time in our world? Precisely. But, golly whiskers, 600 seconds, that's only 10 minutes. You mean the ladies make their own dresses in 10 minutes? And attend to caring for their living quarters in the same time? <laughs> Five minutes to make a dress, It Pat. is a waste of valuable time, I admit. But we haven't been able to solve the problem of making a satisfactory garment in less than 300 seconds. Good heavens, five minutes to make a dress and the man calls it a waste I of time. I said 300 seconds, not five minutes. We have no time to deal in minutes here. Time is too precious. We measure it in seconds. I'll bet these guys could put up the Empire State Building in their lunch hour. Boy, oh boy. And the ladies make a new dress for every day? Precisely. You will see all that being done and more before you leave the Isle of Euclidia. Mm, so that's it, Euclidia. You named your scientific island for Euclid, the father of geometry. You are learning, Captain Bradford. <laughs> I am called G-47. It's the highest authority in Euclidia on the subject of mathematics. G for geometry... Forty-seven for the squaring of the circle. The forty-seventh problem of Euclid. G-47. And do all the other men on the island have names like yours? No, they are all different from mine. I mean, are they, uh, do they mean something like yours does? Everything on this island means something. The names are similar to mine. But enough with this childish prattle. Directly before you, you will notice a small, gleaming copper door. You are expected. Enter. <laughs> I will return for you when the time limit of your visit is reached. Well, if we ever wake up at all, this is going to be a dream hard to forget. This is no dream. It's the real thing. A magic island. Oh, I'm so nervous. Do you think we'll really see my little girl after all this? Will she prove to be my little girl? My little daughter, Joan? Well, let's knock on this door and find out. Gee, the door opened. Without a sound before I touched it. Are we supposed to walk right in? You may enter. D did you hear that? A young girl's voice. Let's go in. What? What a small room. Oh, are you... How do you do? Will you not sit down? Allow me, Mrs. Gregory. You there, Captain Bradford. And you here, Gerald. Huh. Gerald. Huh. Oh, Tex, I... Steady, Patricia. Now take it as calmly as you can. Jerry and I will just sit quietly in the background far back as we can go back in this little cubbyhole. You go ahead and talk to her. Find out if... if... Good luck, dear. Do you mind if I question you? Not at all. We of Euclidia encourage conversation when the subject is of value and takes little time. Remember, we are allowed but 120 seconds for this visit. Gee, Tex, whoever heard of a 15-year-old girl talking like that? Us, Jerry. Let's don't use up any of Mrs. Gregory's 120 seconds. Your name... What are you called, my dear? I am called Cleostra. Each one on Euclidia has a namesake in science. Cleostratus was an astronomer of ancient Greece who arranged the signs of the zodiac. I came to this island on the day the Euclidians changed the calendar from your clumsy one of 12 months of different lengths to our perfect one of 13 months. Hence, I was called Cleostra in honor of that day. Golly whiskers. That girl was one of my school teachers. Hush, Jerry. Tell me, my... Cleostra, do you know how you came to this island, to Euclidia? Why, of course. I was cast upon the island after a shipwreck near here. I was tied to a sinking lifeboat. Yes. Yes, that would be right. The lifeboat was sinking. All the men left it and tried to swim to safety so that you and I would have a better chance to live. I remember tying you to the boat and then I could remember nothing else. You remember? 
You tied me to that boat? Yes, that's the last thing I remember. That was 14 years ago. You you should be 15 now. The keeper of the records tells me I am just 15. But you spoke of fastening me to the lifeboat. You, who are you? I am your mother. I am Mrs. Patricia Gregory. I know all that. But you are someone else also. There is something, I cannot explain it. My feeling is strange to me. But the Euclidians have kept so much news of the world from me. I suppose we are very happy here, yet I have often wished to know something of the world. Your world. Now you've brought that to me. Will you turn your head? May I touch you, my child? Certainly. Oh, you feel so strange. So warm and friendly. Your hands... No one's hands ever felt like that to me before. I knew your hair would be golden and curly, and I'm afraid to look. It would be a tiny star-shaped scar at the base of your neck. Oh, it, it's here, Tex. Jerry, the scar. It's Joan, my baby. My little daughter, Joan. My little girl. At last, we are really on the magic island of the South Sea. However, it seems to be not a place of beauty and peace, as the islands are thought of, but a sinister and foreboding fortress, the stronghold of a terrible scientific colony. Jerry Hall, Mrs. Patricia Gregory, and Captain Tex Bradford have been allowed to see the little girl whom they came to find. The girl is Joan Gregory, long-lost daughter of Patricia Gregory. Mother and daughter have been given a moment of privacy in the tiny room the girl occupies on the Isle of Euclidia, the magic island. I'm so happy to have found you, my dear, that nothing else matters to me. I can even bear being a prisoner here if I may only be with you, my, my dear little Joan. And I'm so happy to be with you, Mrs. Mother. But it all seems so strange. I'm called Cleostra here. All of our names have to do with scientific things. And yet you call me Joan. And somehow it seems that I have always been Joan. You have to me, dear. You've always been my little daughter, though the width of the sea and 14 years have separated us. Mother. Oh, it sounds so nice to say that. Mother. And you'll always be able to say it now. A mother will never leave you. We'll go back to California, to the United States, to the great free outside which you call the world. Tell me of your home. We hear much of it through our space phones and can even see your United States through our universal prism reflectors. But the images are not clear... And your old-fashioned and weak electrical apparatus gives us a particularly mediocre signal. What a precious infant you are. You know so much more than your mother. Your speech would shame many of our educators. And yet, I wonder if you've been happy here. Happy? I believe so. We have games. Relaxation, you know. What sort of games? When the full rest period comes, in the middle of the day, we gather in the common laboratory... And we may use the entire time, 600 seconds, in working out such mathematical and electrochemical problems as may suit our fancy, even though they haven't the slightest practical value. And that is relaxation. Your wisdom makes me very sad, my child. You're only a young girl, barely 15 years old, and you should still be playing as a happy child. Don't you ever run and jump and play athletic games? Don't you ever laugh? No one on Euclidean laughs. Except G-47. And when he laughs, it is only horrible. He is the most brilliant man in the universe and the most terrible. Is he abusive, mean, unkind to you? G-47 would not trouble to be anything but scornful toward any mere human. What am I or what are you or anyone else to a man who has only to raise his hand and destroy a world? So that's it. Then this weird colony is made up of mad scientists bent on world conquest by science. I might have known it. It is not a pleasant place for some here, I think. Some who have known your world as you know it. But to me, it is all I know. You will soon know the world as I know it, my dear. I'll take you back to my home. Your home. Why, my estate is larger than this whole island. And things grow naturally there. Flowers and trees. Why, of course. Don't you have them here? You will see in the light of day. We have everything and nothing. You will come back with us to our world just as quickly as Captain Bradford makes arrangements for us to leave this island. 
There are many here who have been trying for years to leave the island. They are still here. And some who have left, they never arrived at any known place. But there was one person who got safely away, an old sailor, not long ago. He was picked up by a ship in the open sea and sent word of this strange island to the world by radio. And where is that old sailor now? He died almost as soon as he got his radio message to the world. Yes, he died. So you see, no one ever gets away from this island for long. Joan, you realize what you're saying? Surely you don't mean that his death was not accidental. I think that I can tell you, all of you, much that will be to your advantage. But we will be overheard now. And it's better that I wait until another time when Captain Bradford may hear it at the same time. One thing I can tell you now. G-47 thinks that Captain Bradford is the only man in the world who might interfere with his plans. Then we'll tell the captain. Tex is a brave and clever man, and Jerry Hall is a smart, dependable boy. We'll find a way to get off this island and back to the world, and then... And then... uh, What? I didn't see. (laughs) You do not see me now, do you? These rooms are made of some metal, which allows you to see through it from the outside only. What a nightmare of life you must lead here. You will not need to speculate long on the type of existence peculiar to you, Clidia. Your quarters will be assigned to you. Where are Captain Bradford and Jerry? You are dangerously impertinent in your inquisitiveness, but it is obviously ignorance. Your fine captain is in solitary confinement, learning a lesson about behavior on the scientific fountainhead of the universe. What has the captain done to warrant that? He asked too many questions, and I might add, you, madame, are following the same line. Be quiet, please, dear mother. How touching the reunion. (laughs) Well, little lady, you will bear in mind that your mother's world means nothing to you. You are part of this vast machine. You are Cleostra, the living symbol of the perfect calendar. My mother tells me my name is Joan. By this time tomorrow night, your mother will have learned that what she tells you is of no moment here. Where is Jerry? Is he locked up with the captain? No. That adolescent walking loudspeaker is waiting without. I will allow him to perform a service for me. You, Cleastra, will go with him to the voice transmission chambers. I will direct him to send a message for me. You, madame, may go and talk to your precious captain. But may I... Silence, go. The woman waiting without will conduct you. You may speak to the captain through the wall of his cell, as I now speak to you. Go, I say, go, go. Goodbye, Joan. I'll see you soon. Goodbye, mother. Goodbye. Now, there is no time for sentiment here. Come out. Come. What do you wish of me? Oh, Jerry, I'm glad to see you. Silence, Cleastra. You will conduct this boy to the voice transmission chambers. Show him the operation of the Euclidea to California voice transmission beam and see that he sends the following message. All is well. We'll send further news later. He will send it to Mrs. Gregory's home operator. Use the signature of the Gregory yacht. Say, now look here. You can't buffalo me into sending anything of the kind. Have you seen our solitary confinement cell? Why, gee... Jerry, do as he says. I'll explain it all to you later. Be off. Send that message. Then report to me in my private quarters. Be off. Be off. Come on, Jerry. There's no use arguing with him. Oh, I guess you're right. But I'd sure like to punch him on the snozzle. Golly whiskers. You're a strange boy, Jerry. What does that mean? What does what mean? Punch him on the schnozzle, golly whiskers. You don't speak very good English here, do you? That I do not know. But I like the way you speak. Do you? On the level? On the level? Yeah, yeah, on the level. Do you not speak in the same manner on the level as you would on an elevation? Hey, look, one of us is wrong, and, and I got along all right in school, so it must be you. Now, look, you like me. Is that right? That is substantially correct, Jerry. Well, I got that much of it right anyhow. Now, I like you, too. That is very pleasant, Jerry. We must see each other as often as we are allowed to. Oh, boy, that's slick. Slick? Uh, Never mind that now. Just listen, listen. I know all about you for a long time. I got Mrs. Gregory and Tex Bradford to bring me with them just so as I could help find you. But I have not been lost. Why should you have to find me? 
I have known where I was at all times. Well, it's about time I got you off this island. Now listen. No, no, don't talk. Just listen. I've dreamed about you for years. It's been on all the papers about your mother looking all over the world for you. And I just got to thinking so much about you that I... Well, golly, well, you're mighty nice. You are also mighty nice. Golly, Whiskers, you got that one right. Now look, you and I have got to do some figuring about getting off this island. Captain Bradford is locked up because he asked too many questions about how things are done here on this island. And we've got to do something about it. There's very little we can do, Jerry. G-47 hears and sees all that goes on in Euclidia. Never mind that. Your mother's been looking for you for 14 years. And Captain Bradford's been helping her for five or six years. Well, and now that you're found... But, Jerry... You were lost. And now that you're found, we're not going to spend the rest of our lives on this island. Is your world such a wonderful place, then... That it is worth all this worry and trouble and danger merely to attempt to return to it? Is it worth it? Oh, boy. Wait till I take you to a moving picture premiere on Hollywood Boulevard. You ought to see some of those big shows. We often watch what you call your moving pictures from here when we are allowed the time. Oh, sure. You've got machines here. No, no, Jerry. We see them being made. I will show you the universal prism reflectors. They may be focused on your Hollywood. And the making of the pictures is quite plain to us here in Euclidia. Boy, this is a magic island. My mother's yacht was watched all the time. Every move you made on the trip from your California to our island was seen by our scientists. They did not let me watch, but I heard them talking. Maybe getting off this island won't be so easy after all. It will be impossible, Jerry. Oh, but here is the voice transmission chamber. We enter. So? And there's the apparatus you will use. Hmm? Where? This is the craziest place. We walk all over the island without making a sound. Then we open the door and we're inside of a room without a sound. And now that we're in here, there isn't a sign of anything to send a message with. You see that map on the wall? You will push the little lever, the one marked California. Okay. It's pushed. Now what is that to? You may now talk to California. Just direct your voice naturally toward that wall. You know, someday I'm going to write a book about this place. Well, here goes. J-24Y to J-12C, Los Angeles. Jerry Hall on J-24Y to Johnson at J-12C. Hello, J-12. J-12C to J-24Y. Go ahead, J-24. I've been waiting for two hours for your signal. Listen, J-12. Enough has happened in the last two hours to fill a book. We're in terrible danger on the island. Our position is... So, you silly fool. <laughs> you would try to deceive me? Oh, G-47. That terrible ray gun. You've used it on Jerry. It is a pretty toy, is it not, Cleostra? Would you like to know how it feels? When Jerry Hall, Mrs. Gregory, and Captain Bradford started out to search for a little girl on a strange island in the South Seas, Jerry insisted it would be a magic island. Now that Joan, Mrs. Gregory's long-lost little daughter, has been found on the island, and G-47, the mad scientist and his weird colony, are holding Mrs. Gregory, Bradford, and Jerry prisoners, the strange island of Euclidia is indeed almost a magic island. Jerry, Joan, and G-47 are in the voice transmission chamber on the island. Jerry tried to get a message through for help, but G-47 overheard it. He turned a ray gun on Jerry and Joan. Mrs. Gregory's California radio operator is still trying to hear Jerry. What has happened, Hall? Cannot get your signal. What has happened, J-24? J-12C to Ah, enough of that. So, you young fools, you would try to warn the outside world of my plans, would you? It might have been better had I used the death ray on you. Ah, no, no, I need you both. You have been unconscious for 50 seconds. Ten seconds more and you will revive. Then you will send the message I want you to send. Now, you should regain consciousness in just three seconds. That's funny. I was talking to J-12 in Los Angeles. 
Then the sit went dead. I'll get him again. You will do exactly as I say, young man. Golly, I didn't see you. Say, what did you do to Joan? 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 What's the matter? She did not receive the ray from this little toy of mine until after you did. It is just time for her to awaken now. You... you turned the ray gun on Jerry, but he is not dead? No. I used only the 60-second paralyzing ray. What are you talking about? Nothing happened to me. Didn't you see that I was asleep, Jerry? You were mighty quiet and funny, all right. G-47 turned his ray gun on us when he heard you trying to warn your friends in California that you were held prisoner here on Euclidia. I didn't see any gun. I heard something that sounded like a baby screaming, a little child screaming way off. Then the radio set went dead. Ah, The radio set, as you call it, did not go dead. I merely put you to sleep with a 60-second ray. You were trying to deceive me. You bet I was. And I'll try it every chance I get. Do not speak like that, Jerry. G-47 can do with you exactly as he pleases. Let him get busy on his worst, then. I'm going to get off this island some way, sometime, and nobody's going to stop me. Ah, you are a fool. Even a brave man knows when to keep quiet. You are as completely in my power and cut off from the world as if you had never known it to exist. This little ray gun is only one infinitesimal part of my equipment for handling fools. Is that the old thing that put us to sleep? This is it. That doesn't look like a gun. It isn't any bigger than a lead pencil. Just the same, Jerry. That little thing will throw a ray across this island and carries enough power in it to paralyze a thousand people. (laughs) You have learned your lesson well, Cleostra. Oh, nix on that Cleostra stuff. Her name is Joan. She's Mrs. Gregory's little girl, and I'll call her Joan. You will learn to call her Cleostra. Her Euclidean name is the only name she will ever need. And it is our wish to know her as the symbol of Cleostratus, the great astronomer of ancient Greece who gave us the zodiac. Well, I'm going to call her what I like. Yeah, and that's not all. That is entirely too much. Silence, both of you. You will now send a message I instructed you to send before. And this time I will stand directly behind you with this little ray gun trained upon you. Go on, Jerry. Do as he tells you. Move the transmission lever there upon the map of California. This is the craziest radio set I ever saw. I push a button and talk to Los Angeles. But I'm talking to a blank wall. Ah, you are talking through a wall. A porous sound wall behind which the directional voice transmission apparatus is located. Uh, The wall is bulletproof, my young fool. So do not waste your time trying to damage the apparatus. Go on. Be careful, Jerry. Do not try to send any message except exactly as G-47 tells you. Oh, I got enough sense not to want him to put me to sleep again with that thing. Well, here goes. J-24-Y to J-12-C at Los Angeles. Hello, J-12. Jerry Hall to J-12-C. J-12 to J-24. Hello, Jerry. What happened to your signal? You were coming in good, then stopped. I got the word danger. Go ahead, J-24-Y. Say there is no danger. Correction on that, J-12-C. I said no danger. All is well, but we are off our course. No sign of island. Stand by for further report. Repeat, J-12C. J-12C to J-24Y. Repeating, no danger. Off your course. No sign of island. I'm standing by. Okay, J-12. Can you give me your position? No position. No position, J-12. We'll give position later. That is all. J-24Y. That is all. Good luck, Jerry. Johnson on J-12C. Now, how do you shut this thing off? It is off now. The method is no concern of yours. Gee whiz. Things work almost by themselves on Euclidia, Jerry. Too fast to suit me. Now I've got to see Captain Bradford. You may do so. 
You, Cleastra, will conduct this boy to the captain's cell. Then you will return to your quarters. I would like to visit more with my dear mother. You may see her later. You all will be allowed to see everything, or nearly everything, on Euclidia. When you have made up your almost negligible mind to the fact that you will stay here, your interests are here now. In the meantime, go and see your dear captain. <laughs> Make all the silly plans you can think of to escape. They will exercise your minds and furnish amusement to me. Go. Enough of this. I will see you when I want you. I will see you again. I don't like that guy. No one does. But it is not safe to show it. Now come, Jerry, and I will take you to the captain... Then I must go to my own quarters. I'll see you after a while and tell you some more about California and the rest of the world, huh? Tell me this, Jerry, as we walk to the captain's cell. Your name, Jerry Hall. What does it mean? What does it mean? Yes. It must have a meaning. Well, it means that my mother's and father's name was Hall, and they called me Jerry. But that means nothing. Means plenty to me. But on Euclidia, all the names mean something. One of these days, you're going to quit worrying about what things mean on this spooky island. And it is a spooky place. Look, here we are walking on something that looks like concrete or stone. But our shoes don't make a sound. That is not strange to me. I have seen how they make the noiseless rock, the transparent steel, and the invisible cloth. Golly, whiskers. When we get off this island, we'll show the rest of the world a lot of swell tricks. I wish, Jerry, I wish you would not speak of getting off this island. You're only wasting your breath. You don't think we're going to get off, huh? I know you will not. And you will only make it dangerous for all of us if you try. Wait till Tex Bradford and I get down to figuring this out. And we'll make it dangerous for anybody that tries to keep us from going. There's Captain Bradford's cell. I must leave you here. Where? I don't see any cell. You do not look closely, Jerry. There's nothing but a blank wall in front of us. And if you look carefully at that wall, you will observe that you can see through it. And Captain Bradford is sitting in a little cubicle of a room. Doggone it. I'm getting tired of all these tricks. Why don't they have windows and doors like anybody else? Doors and windows are not necessary when you can see and talk through steel walls. I guess you're right. Hey, Tex. Captain Bradford. Yes, Jerry. Come over to the wall so I can talk to you. You may step nearer, Jerry. But do not touch the wall. The walls are charged with electricity, huh? Yes, and the power is enormous. That's why these walls make such good cells. Stop. You are near enough now. Hello, Joan. How are you and Jerry getting along? This Jerry of yours, I like him. He is a very nice but very foolish boy. Oh, she's worried, Tex. Just because I don't let old G-47 bluff me. I'm afraid it's no bluff, son. Better lay low and do what he says. I must go now. When can I see you again? I will come to you when I have permission. Our position all figured out. How can you do that? Just as we did on the yacht when... No, I'd, I'd better wait for another time to review that. The chances are, in fact, I'm sure, that every word we've said has been overheard by someone. Then we've already said too much. Yes, I know it, but we've got to talk sometime. And what we've said so far is no more than G-47 has figured out for himself by now. Is there anything that guy doesn't know? There is one thing he can't touch, Jerry. What's that? He can't read your mind. The man is no magician, and he's no trickster. Though he is probably the greatest scientist the world has ever known, or failed to know. Everything he produces is an exact science. And if we can only figure out how to get our thoughts to each other, without speaking or writing them, we can... Uh, What's uh, the matter? Tex! I, I feel dizzy in my head. Oh, Tex! Tex! What's happening to you? Magic Island was a science fantasy radio serial syndicated in 1936. The series has 128 12-minute episodes, and all episodes have survived. The storyline followed wealthy Patricia Gregory as she ended her 14-year search in the South Pacific for her long-lost daughter, Joan. When Joan was one year old, the Gregory yacht was shipwrecked near the 30th parallel. Lashed to a lifeboat, Joan was presumed lost by all but Patricia. In the opening episode, she receives a tip about a white girl living on a mysterious island populated by scientifically advanced people in the Pacific. After the reunion of mother and daughter, the program dramatized their subsequent adventures on the island, which could submerge to escape detection. 
Targeted at a juvenile audience, Magic Island features Sally Creighton as Patricia Gregory, Rosa Barcelo as Joan Gregory, Tommy Carr as Jerry Hall, and Will Reynolds as Captain Tex Bradford. The producer-writer was Perry Crandall, who was also the program's announcer. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.